Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This Week in Crypto. My name is Craig Cobb, and I'm going to take you through the news. But before I do that, don't forget, there's plenty of information that you can gather from the description below. All those links will take you to various different pages where you can get discounts off your trading fees as well as joining my free Become a Trader course. I've been trading for nearly 18 years now. Our traditional markets are now into cryptocurrency. If you've not been before, my company is TraderCobb.com. So check it out in the description below. So into the news this week we go in what is a less dramatic week on last week. As a matter of fact, last week, instead of doing a news piece, I did a bit of a compassion piece, I think you'd call it, and let you know that it was going to be okay. Things will be okay. The sun keeps shining in the morning and setting in the evening. The birds will still chirp, the wind will still blow, and you will be okay. I hope you are, I hope you're well, and I hope you're looking at the future with a big smile on your dial. The first thing we're going to go into in the news is with Mark Cuban. Crypto is going through a similar lull to the early internet, is what he suggests. And I read from this article, billionaire Mark Cuban sees the slide, which is happening at the same time as stock markets are being pummeled by inflation fears as echoing the early 2000s dot-com bubble. Now, this is an interesting take, and I'll tell you why. Back in 2018, I think it was, or 19, I went to New York and covered Consensus. I did many interviews that year, and one of the topics or one of the questions at the very end was, where are we in crypto right now if we compare it to the early days of the internet? Are we in 96? Are we in 2000? Where are we? So it's interesting to see Mark Cuban weighing in here talking of where we are now in this pullback as being similar to the dot-com crash of the 2000s. I read from the article once more. The Dallas Mavericks owner and investor on ABC's Shark Tank said that after the initial surge of exciting apps and NFTs or non-fungible tokens, crypto is entering an imitation phase where too many companies are failing to bring new utility to the market. But the blockchains that do emerge from the lull will be the ones that use smart contracts to improve business productivity and profitability. Now, I love this little piece of text here for two reasons. One, I think he's bang on. You know, you see time and time again, here's a new layer one, 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 here's a new Ethereum killer, all these things that we hear. But do we need them all? And, and that's a constant question I have when it comes to the, especially layer ones, given that that's the example that I've used. Why do we need more? Sure, there are plenty out there right now. Some that will, or some have already set themselves up very well. I mean, obviously, Ethereum's the number one, but, you know, uh, blockchains like Solana has done very, very well throughout the big run up last year and continues to hold within that top 10, seemingly solidifying its place. And much of the top 10 is layer one projects. Now, the other part of this article, or the other part of the text that I just read where it says, but the blockchains that do emerge from the lull will be the ones that use smart contracts to improve business productivity and profitability. I also believe he's exactly right here. You see, crypto is not just here for crypto's sake. Sure, you can go and buy a crappy token and it can go up and you know things can be profitable for you. But at the end of the day, who's gonna stick around? Who will be there when the music stops, so to speak? 
And uh, it's about making sure that we're creating solutions to real problems. And that's where longevity comes from in a good business plan. Anyone can go out there and start a business, but it's about how do we actually get this adopted within our said genre, marketplace, or uh, sector. And that's what Mark Cuban's talking about here. How, who comes in and helps existing business to be better, faster, smarter, cheaper, will ultimately end up with a nice big pie at the end of this race. It took time before bandwidth became available and cheap enough so that streaming and cord cutting could really happen, he said in 2021. That was 20 years into the internet, give or take, and we're only 10 or 12 years into crypto. So once again, find projects that have a real use case and look at this from a perspective of time. What you don't have today doesn't mean you won't have it tomorrow. This is in year, what did you say, 10 or 12? So we're, I think we're 12th year of Bitcoin. And uh, we're only just warming up. We're still early. There's still plenty of time. And Mark Cuban agrees. Righty-o, on to the next article, which is from CNBC. The headline reads, Robinhood to let users hold their own crypto and NFTs as it reaches for growth beyond stock trading. Now, I heard of Robinhood, uh, might have been early last year, at the GameStop uh, and a couple of other things, AMC, I think it was, and Doge. A lot of that meme coin army, that's where the coin was termed. Uh, so that's where the phrase was coined or whatever <laughs> the right way of saying that is. And, um, and of course, they blew up massive uh, during COVID. Lots of younger traders or investors or gamblers or whatever you want to call them got into the market and Robinhood seemed to be the application of choice. I read from the article, the trading and investing company announced Tuesday it will let users hold and custody their own cryptocurrencies and NFTs in a separate standalone app. It's the latest move in the digital asset space for Robinhood as it reaches for growth beyond stock trading. The company shares are off more than 70% since its IPO. And again, one thing I will suggest here is that um, with Robinhood being down 70%, ladies and gentlemen, it's not just crypto where we see this occur. In fact, it's down 88% from its all-time high, and that's typically how we in the crypto space uh, gauge how far something is down from all-time high to current price. So an 88% decline is much in line with what we've seen in crypto over a similar period of time. Reading from the article, the new app will put Robinhood squarely in competition with Coinbase and startups like Metamask. So taking it on the big plays there is Robinhood. The app will let users store non-fungible tokens and connect to NFT marketplaces and decentralized stock exchanges. Now here's something that I've got a question for this young fellow, Vlad Tenev. If we're going to be plugging an app in, Robinhood, that is essentially... A decentralized, sorry, a centralized exchange. Obviously, you have to do KYC and all that to open up a Robinhood account. And then we plug that into decentralized exchanges. What kind of worms may that open up for anybody in the future? See, that's the thing. A decentralized exchange is only decentralized if there's no centrality. Now, if we are using it to, sorry, if we're going in through a centralized application, it just doesn't seem very decentralized anymore. It's just food for thought. That's all it is. Now, I'll read from uh, a quote here as well from the article. We believe that crypto is more than just an asset class, Vlad Tenev, Robinhood's co-founder and CEO, said in a press release. By offering the same low cost and great design that people have come to expect from Robinhood, our Web3 wallet will make it easier for everyone to hold their own keys and experience all the opportunities that the open financial system has to offer. The new app 
Oh, sorry, the new app notably won't charge network fees. Despite Ethereum Bitcoin fees running at $70 in some cases, of course, that would be on the Ethereum side. A Robinhood spokesperson said the crypto product will rely on third-party liquidity providers competing for customers' transactions behind the scenes in order to offset those network fees. Once again, though, it's a positive for our space as Robinhood is in the hands of many the younger generation. The millennials have, choose, have chosen to use Robinhood throughout COVID and now giving them access to crypto, NFTs and whatnot. Again, it's just another uh, case where we're seeing mainstream adoption of our beloved blockchain and cryptocurrency market. Now, over to Cointelegraph and we talk about the Terra crash. Headline reads, Terra Crash, not a risk to the broader crypto ecosystem, says Horby Global co-founder. Now, I read, as the fall of Terra, Luna, and Terra USD, UST, may have a noticeable short-term impact on the decision-making of both retail and institutional investors, it doesn't pose a risk to the larger crypto ecosystem, according to John Du, co-founder of Horby Global. I read a quote from him in the long term demand for cryptocurrencies as a hedge against fear inflation will continue to grow, as well as for applications of blockchain technology. Boom, here we go. Right, let's break this down. The long term demand for cryptocurrencies as a hedge against fear inflation will continue to grow. This is the words coming out of the CEO or the founder of uh, Horby. We are in a high inflationary environment right now. Okay, we're seeing countries the world over. I think uh, the UK is at 8.75%. The US is at 7.6%. We're pretty smacked up here in Australia as well. Uh, highest interest rates that we've seen in, in, you know, I think 20 to 40 years, depending on whereabouts in the world it is. Has that helped Bitcoin? Maybe. We're holding 30 grand for the time being, but we certainly haven't seen any dip in uh, in uh, volatility, have we? We continue to see the volatility in our markets and it has been heavily weighted to the downside. So for one, to say that Terra hasn't really affected the market, well, it definitely has too. Is it going to just be short-term or long-term? I think we'll see short-term and long-term. Short-term, of course, the price is dipping, uh, investor confidence diminishing from the space. And of course, we're seeing a lot of the media out there bashing everything crypto once again. Don't forget, their job isn't to be smart. It's just to get you watching so that people will pay for, companies will pay for advertising. So that's fine. They do their job how they do it. But I think there will be long-term implications on the regulatory side, given some of the most recent events, especially the collapse of UST, as it just seems like it would not be a very good look for a regulated country to have something like that happen. I mean, heaven forbid, you know, a company like Robin Hood falling 88% from its highs. Imagine what that would do to confidence. Did I do that? Yes, I did. So yeah, it's it's. Just, I think we'll get some more long-term stuff through the regulation side of it. Uh, I read back from the article, market crashes and coordinated attacks are not unique to crypto, said Du. Citing the Lehman Brothers collapse and the housing market crash, Du mentioned that every industry will see its fair share of toppled players. And that is business, ladies and gentlemen. We saw Exxon do the same. We've seen many, many a company. I mean, if you're old enough to remember Ansett, the great Australian airline that collapsed, these things do happen. Businesses do go under. Too big to fail, only too big to fail if you're a massive bank. Any other business that fails, 
It's on them and their shareholders, sadly. So again, we do see a talk or some talk of terror, not so much the nuts and bolts of what's going on there just yet, only a week out from the crash, but we are seeing some comments about that and what people are seeing to be uh, not too worrying in many cases. On to Bloomberg now. China makes a comeback in Bitcoin mining despite government ban. Isn't that interesting? I mean, look, China has banned Bitcoin more more times than I have fingers and I've got a full set of 10. <laughs> they fail every single time. While the US extended its leading position as the dominant location for Bitcoin mining, China has re-emerged as the second largest locale despite a government ban on the activity last year. The US accounted for 37.84 of global hash rate, percent, sorry, of global hash rate, a measure of computing power used to extract the digital currency between September 21 to January, according to the Cambridge Centre for Alternative Finance in a report released on Tuesday. So the US accounts for 37.84% of Bitcoin's hash rate right now. However, following the mining ban in China last year, the country has seen a sudden surge in activity through covert mining operations and has re-emerged as a major mining hub, grabbing 21.1% of global hash rate, according to the CCAF. That's quite interesting, isn't it? China bans it completely, but still has a major hold on the hash rate. Why? Because Bitcoin makes people money and people like to make money. People do illegal things for money. We all know that. And it appears that that remains on trend in China. Another note from this article is that Kazakhstan was third at 13.22% of the hash rate, followed by Canada, taking 6.48% of global hash rate. Russia accounted for 4.66% and has seen cryptocurrency mining operations regulated elsewhere, said the report. So we are seeing the hash rate spread across the world quite nicely. I like that. Having the US with the made as the major holder of hash rate, I don't see that as a bad thing right now. It's good to have it split across a few different places. Of course, it is important to understand that for mining to be effective and profitable, you need land and you also need cheap power. No surprises to see Kazakhstan and Russia there because they have got plenty of cheap power. The final article that we have in this week's edition of This Week in Crypto is once again talking about things to look out for. Why? Because here at Trader Cobb, we are here to help you. We are here to educate you and to make sure that you have the best that you can in your brain to make informed decisions about whether it be trading or investing. We specialize in trading, but there's no reason why we can't give you some tips and tricks to avoid being scammed. We come to Forbes right now. And isn't it lovely, by the way? We've got out of this, out of all this news, we've got one crypto website. Uh, we've, got, we've got two CMC articles. We've got one Cointelegraph. We've got Forbes. We've got Bloomberg. Interesting to see. I remember back in 2018, I would have never have seen that. Never would have seen journalists reporting on crypto and blockchain as the level that they are currently in a positive light and actually doing journalism. Okay, so on the Forbes, the article reads, How the DeFi space has become a massive breeding ground for crypto Ponzi schemes. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Ponzi schemes exist. So what, and I read from the article here, so what exactly are Ponzi schemes? And how do they function in the DeFi space? A Ponzi scheme named after the Italian con artist Charles Ponzi. Poor bugger, poor family name, is an investment fraud that pays existing investors with funds collected from new investors. It does not necessarily invest the funds of the investors, but it promises existing 
investors high returns in a short period of time, which are frequently higher than all other mainstream yields, therefore making it very compelling for many people. And this really lies at the heart of what UST saw. The APY through Anchor was very, very high. How was that sustained? Well, it wasn't by the look of things. And there are many other APYs out there that go into the hundreds, even thousands of percent. So always remember the one key rule. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So more on these Ponzi's. I read from the example, sorry, I read from the article. For example, the most recent Ponzi scheme involved Eddie Axeldre, Alexan, sorry, Eddie Alexandra, Alexandre, CEO of MNIFX, who promised investors a weekly 5% return on investment. The FBI apprehended him last week for allegedly defrauding his clients out of more than $59 million. He claimed to have a robo-advisor-assisted account system which would invest the monies into crypto and forex. 5% a week. Wow. It's, uh, it's hard to, to describe, but from my standpoint, right, I've been in financial markets. It's all I know I've been doing. I started investing when I was 16. I started trading when I was 21, and I've been doing it ever since, and I am now a bald 38 years old. I, this, is, this is what I know, right? And I have seen many things that have been too good to true, and I put my hand up. I have lost significant, amount, significant amounts of money in doing just that. Uh, I lost an enormous amount of money at the time into a Papua New Guinea gold mine. The essay reports were fantastic. We had lots of gold, but could we get it legalized to get it floated in the asset under the company's name? No, too much corruption there. We got dusted. I lost everything. I had to rebuild again. So these things do happen, and sometimes they can come in forms that may look very legitimate, such as this M&I FX. The thing that stands out for me here as a big red flag is 5% return weekly. If you were to say that I could get 5% return monthly and break down exactly how that would occur and show me the, you know, the logistics of making that happen, I might look at that and go, well, that's fair. Am I going to take that? No, because I'm a money manager. I'm a trader. I'm an investor. So I do it all myself, but I can totally see how people would get suckered into this. 5% a week, however, is another kettle of fish. I like to call this uh, spreadsheet dreaming. And the reason I call it spreadsheet dreaming is because I do see, especially on Twitter, I do see people say, oh, you know, you start with $1,000 and you make 1% a day or 4% a day and blah, 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 blah. By the end of the year, you're, you're worth 10 million. You've got no reason not to be rich. Silly things like this. Well, the compounding rate at 5% per week is absolutely intense. When I was trading foreign exchange bonds and stocks commodities, my weekly goal was to make 1%. That was it. 1% per week, which equated to 4% per month, which would get me compounded upwards of around 100% at the end of the year. The actual 100% compounding rate, I believe, is 6%, but it was just, just shy of that. And that was a great return. Looking for small wins consistently throughout the week so I wouldn't put pressure on myself to try and get the Hail Mary. If you're looking at 5% a week, you have got a lot to learn. Consistency is key. To, make, to, to have 5% every single week, gee whiz, if I could get that, I would take it. But as I say, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. A lot of this happens in the staking area, and I read from the article, staking rewards and yield farming are, two, sorry, are the two most appealing features in DeFi ecosystems. 
DeepFi users will deposit and lock their tokens on the platform to earn a huge annual percentage yield because DeFi ecosystems rely on staked token for consensus. This means that if you stake your tokens on a DeFi platform that pays out, say, 1,000%, in brackets, yes, they can get this high, close bracket, annually, you'll have 10 times more tokens in a year. Now, that's a great theory. But you're getting paid in the token, so what's the token value really worth? Well, you might get 10 times more tokens, but the price might be down 20 times when you bought. So there's a lot of things that go on in here. What they tend to do is the APY, when they're looking for the yield you know, percentage, they will typically, the scamming projects especially, will sit in an area where it's probably uh, acceptable you know, within the, uh, the DeFi space. And that way, it doesn't look like a red flag. A thousand percent per year, that in itself would be a red flag. So the smartest scammers are getting right into that bracket where people can actually think, oh, it's not too high. Now, this requires you to dig deeper. I don't do any yield farming or staking or anything like that. And the simple reason for it is not because I don't think it can't be a very good way of doing business and earning a passive income, it's that I have to have a layer of trust for a third party. And I don't have that layer of trust for many third parties. It's my money, it's my responsibility to look after it. Giving a few hundred thousand dollars or 10 or whatever the number may be into a pool is basically giving them your money and you're trusting them. There are no contracts typically, there is not much information available, and it's scary as buggery. That being said, there are notable companies out there that are doing just this with returns that are very acceptable and not over the top. As I say, there are good projects out there offering you yield, but be very careful on the ones that are promising you heaven and earth. As a new crypto trader looking to invest in DeFi, it is critical to ensure that the token you are purchasing does not rely on the growth of new users, as this has a strong correlation with Ponzi schemes. Furthermore, if the high returns promised by a DeFi protocol are not the result of value creation and utility, they are most likely the result of new investors, raising the correlation with Ponzi schemes. And as this article concludes, if it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, and quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. So if it sounds too good to be true, leave these things alone. Do your research. Work through it. Find people that know what they're doing and learn from them. You're going to have to bury your head in a book for a while if it's, if it's yield that you want. If it's investing uh, fundamentally, same thing. You're going to have to do a lot of time in it. If you want to learn to trade, well, I can help to speed that up and make it relatively straightforward for you with checklist-based trading systems. And all those details, if you wish to join us, is in the description below. So it's been less of a dramatic week this week in crypto, and that's nice because I don't have to come in with a message of confidence and love. I can bring a message of love and news because we're okay. I hope you are too. You have yourself a fantastic day. Please hit the like button. Don't forget to subscribe if you are new to the channel and share it amongst your friends. Have a fantastic weekend. My name is Craig Cobb from tradercob.com and this has been This Week in Crypto. Bye for now.